Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Good morning, Jundo. How are you today? I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to do it right. I'm trying to stay on upright. I'm trying to be right as rain. I, I'm not trying to be on the right. This is not a political discussion. But uh, our subject today is right living. Now, we debated the title for this, Kurt. You wanted yeah. what? What was your suggestion? I wanted the eight steps to nirvana. We did steps last week, you know. Yeah, but that was 12 steps. This is a different set of steps. And just think about the SEO, eight steps, nirvana. That would get us tons of hits. Well, you know, it's traditionally called in English, I, not traditionally called because I didn't speak English. It's something in Sanskrit, which I couldn't <laughs> tell you what it is, but it's the eightfold path. But we went with, inspired by James Bond's Octopussy, we went with the octo-holistic lifestyle. How's that? Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't really like it, but it's pretty good. Eightfold is a weird word. It makes you sound like you're folding sheets or something eight times. Well, uh, so is holistic lifestyle is kind of a modern term. I don't think the Buddha thought himself as a modern guru. Well, he was kind of a guru, but I mean, not the, like a California kind of guru who's preaching uh, how to live man, a holistic lifestyle. Let's all, you know, eat right and and uh, do our yoga. Not like that, though, though meditation is a kind of yoga. So actually, there's a lot of, uh, uh, it, it actually kind of fits really well. What if we had a simpler title, just no left turn? Yeah. So anyway, uh, that, 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 any, any, it's your, you know, anything you want to call it is fine, because the point of it, though, the reason I'm calling it a holistic lifestyle is it, it's not really, again, a, it's called the Eightfold Path, but that makes it sound like one leads again to the other. It's more like a, a whole circular thing of, of uh, aspects of life that have to or should come together and happen at the same time for this whole Buddhist thing to work. You know, Buddhists like lists. We, we, we're going to get a lot of lists in this uh, series of podcasts on Buddha basics because Buddhists like lists. You know why they like lists so much? Lists, lists, not lisps, lists. Because it makes things easier to remember? Because it makes things easier to remember. Remember, they didn't write anything down, right? And they didn't have an iPhone or uh, anything we have these days to keep notes. They, so they made lists. And the Indians were great list makers. And so they decided this one would be 12 list parts. Eight list parts. Oh, yeah. 12 was last week. Sorry. Right, right. They didn't have the cloud back then, did they, to, to store things? Right. No, they didn't. Well, they, they. I guess the cloud for them was the sort of all the people who heard these teachings and memorized them so they could get together at some point and eventually write them down. And I, for a long time, thought that that must have led to a lot of mistakes. But it's been shown that it's actually very accurate in the sense that you can train people to memorize certain 
things and pass it down to the next generation, and it will keep a great deal of consistency. Now, they won't necessarily understand what they're memorizing. It's kind of rote. Right. But they will get yeah. the, the words right. And, they, you know, so uh, a few hundred years later, a guy said, hey, guys, I got a great idea. What is it? The pencil. And there we are. <laughs> we didn't need to memorize things anymore, but we kept our lists. Yeah, I don't think it was a pencil. I think it was a quill pen or whatever. But I get your point. And, and probably what happened is they had a meeting of a bunch of people who'd memorized these texts, and they all sat down and they recited them. And if seven people said this word, but three said that word, then they chose the seven. And that way, the consistency, there was a redundancy in the group memory that allowed them to maintain consistency. Whatever it was, here we are again, because this is one of the most basic of basic Buddhist teachings. Last time we left our hero, do you remember where we left him? We left him under a tree someplace. No, no, no. He got up for the tree and he's talking in the deer park to his five friends. The deer park, right. He's been there and about he holds three up the weeks. Flower. No, 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 no. That's way later. That's Nothing later? to do with the flower. Okay. He's just talking to his five old buddies. But he's been there now about three weeks. This is a, a very slow moving drama here. Uh, he, he, he's still laying out the basic of all basic teachings. And one of those is the eightfold octo holistic lifestyle. Right. The eightfold path. So this is like the third season of with eight episodes, right? It's not eight episodes. It's more like eight. It's like, uh, remember, you're, you're old enough to remember you're a sound. What was the thing? They had quadraphonic and then they had octophonic. Quadraphonic in the 70. Never had octophonic. They had quadraphonic. Then they had 5.1. Now they have Dolby Atmos surround sound. And yeah. So a good good example, though, if you have a, like a, a surround sound system, a home theater system, you have the sound coming from all directions at the same time, rather than individual mono speakers that aren't synced up. Exactly. So the idea here is that you've got a really good amplifier and everything comes at you at the same time. Everything comes at you at the same time, sort of woven together. In a kind of total immersion. Right. Total immersion. Yeah. So that's what this is. So where do we start? Ask me where we start. I just asked you where we start. Okay. We start at the traditional number one, which again, just for everyone, is not number one because all this is going to happen together. Right. And number one is right view. I think what you need to first point out is that among the eight, there are three groups. Oh, yes, there are, are three groups. Now, the three groups are number one and number two. I feel like I'm at the Emmy Awards here, opening envelopes. Like, okay, <laughs> no. this is wisdom. The first two have to do with basic wisdom, or shall we say learning. The next three have to do with ethics. Ethics are very important here. We're going to get into why. And then finally, mental discipline. But again, it's not finally because all this comes together. Right. But I think looking at those three elements give us a good example of the, the Eightfold Path Triangle, if you want. Wisdom, ethics, and mental discipline are the three pillars of what we do. Uh, uh, it's very simple why. I, if you sit meditation, zazen, and you clear the mind, it's kind of uh, formless, nebulous. So that is not an excuse just to go rob banks. Mm. You know, you say, oh, I'm transcending right and wrong. I can, I can kill, I can steal. Can't do that. You must keep ethical. Now, the ethical, the ethical also feeds the kind and peaceful heart, which is necessary to the wisdom and the meditation. 
Right. And the wisdom in meditation also kind of is directionless. What do I do? I've realized everything is kind of form oh, oh, endless possibilities in this universe. You need the basic teachings to give form. See, people think if you just said Zazen, it all comes to you naturally. Sorry. No. Only that's our PR guy came up with that. That's not true. You know, <laughs> it, 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 you don't just sit on any have enlightenment and oh, it's all clear. I don't need the other seven. No, you need to crack the books a little. They used to say that Zen guys burn the books. Well, they'd read them first, then they'd burn them, you know. Right. OK, so let's start with the first one, which is right view. Right view is you have to know a little something about Buddhist teachings, which means that, of course, what you need to do is listen to the Zen of Everything Buddhist Basics podcast, because we're giving it to you. This is number one, guys. You need to have a little knowledge about what the teachings are, what the recommendations are. If I say to you non-self, you listen to episode number two, you now you know what that is. If I say the, you know, 12 links of the chain of causation, you now have some idea of that. You need to have some idea about these things to know why you're doing everything else. So that's number one. Got to crack the books a little. So view in this sense means understanding of the concepts. That's correct. There's a famous te teaching where the Buddha went into the Kalama village and he said, guys, don't believe anything some guy tells you just because he has robes and a, and a, you know, a little following. It's in an old book. Don't believe anything. Find out for yourself. But you can trust me. So you got to yes. learn if you're going to follow the Buddhist teachings, you got to trust what the Buddha is telling you and learn a little thing called Buddhism or Buddhist teaching. OK, what's the second one? Right intention. Right intention. Yes. You just have to have the intention to learn and practice Buddhism. That's as simple as it is. Oh, this isn't about the intention to do the right things. Well, that's part of it, too. You have to have the intention to learn about ethics and to live in an ethical way. You have, the, have to have the intention to uh, sit meditation, zazen, and also to benefit from it. Intention is very important. Just having a kind of book learning, but having no intention to really put it into practice. Uh, means it just stays in the book. So for the old Buddhist, intention was very important. So I'm looking at this list here. I'll link in the show notes to a page on the Tree Leaf Forum that has a list and it has a video of you about 15 years ago when you were much younger talking about this stuff. It looks to me, so we start with right view. You have to have a right view of intention, of speech, of action, of livelihood, of effort, of mindfulness, of concentration. You have to have the right intention of the view, the speech, the action, the livelihood, the effort, the mindfulness, the concentration. Each one multiplies each of the others. So there's actually 64. There is actually 64. Actually, there's there's all kinds of ways, and it actually multiplies on and on. But yes, uh, you're not the first to observe that. The, that observation was made about a thousand years ago. Uh, yes, you're exactly well, right. Not on a podcast. You're exactly right. All Everything feeds into each other. So it's actually, you're good with math. It's actually eight, and every one is eight of eight. So it's eight to the eighth power, something like that. And they all feed into each other. So as you're talking about each one of these eight elements, we need to bear in mind that it is a modifier of the seven other elements. Yeah, it's like the song for Christmas, you know, the partridge in a pear tree. 
Right intention of concentration, right intention of <laughs> mindfulness, right intention of effort. I've really asked you not to sing. golden rings. I'm sorry. Yes. People, I'm sorry. That's... People don't like when you sing. I'm sorry. Anyway. Okay. So we had the two under wisdom are right view and right intention. Now we get up to ethical conduct. Yes. What's first? First one is right speech, which is something we could use a lot more of in this world, if you ask me. Is this about us on the podcast here? Well, uh, we actually, I think we are engaging in right speech because I, I've said that we are uh, irreverent, but yet it's somehow respectful of all this, is it not? I mm. think okay. we, we, we are actually, I, and we're being trying to be honest. I'm not lying about how I feel. I'm really saying True. what I mean, right? We're not gossiping, you know? Yeah, wrong speech would be gossiping and, and criticizing people and putting people down and talking about bad things. That's really stupid, Kirk, but you're, you're right. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's exactly <laughs> right. What you Yet said. sometimes it's important to criticize the powers that be, the politicians, the people who are polluting the planet. We will have future episodes coming up <laughs> in the future, uh, focusing just on the precepts. And okay. they're not black and white. There's some black and white areas yeah, you know there, or how to say there are some things that just to do them, I can't think of a good reason to do them. So they're always right. But there's a lot of ambiguity. For example, my famous thing is yes, we we should be honest in the precept. It says so. Don't tell a lie. But if my wife comes and asks me about her new dress, it's gorgeous. I yeah. don't care. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Even the Buddha, you know, a guy would come up and say, "How's my how's my new robes?" And he go, "Frankly, <laughs> no, they're great. They're great." You know. <laughs> Buddha, do I look fat in these robes? You look great. You're right. <laughs> All right. Next, right action. Right action is just doing things right. So you had right intention. Yeah. And now the next one is just right action, which is just trying to do the right thing. And that's a kind of corollary to right speech. So you're both speaking right and acting right. Because sometimes you may speak right but act wrong, and you may act right and speak wrong. So here you have to get them both right. Our actions are important. It's not only our intentions, but our actions are important too. Now, the, the thing about all this from the Zen point of view is it's right even when it's wrong, but we try to do right nonetheless, which means that you know, Zen is very forgiving. It's right even when it's wrong? We make mistakes. We can't always get it right. Yeah. And sometimes even if we intend to do right, we're, we're human beings. We're going to stumble and fall in the mud. But there's something that Zen says that, that touches me. is that even when you're wrong, it's just rightly wrong. It's just perfectly wrong. That's not an excuse to do wrong. It's an excuse to pick up, dust off, try again. Okay, so right livelihood. This is how we make our living. And if I remember correctly, back in the old Buddhist time, right livelihood had some very specific rules about things you couldn't do or, or things you couldn't sell. Is that right? Uh, you, uh, they looked down on butchers. Right. Right. People in the funeral industry. Why? They were necessary. They were necessary, but they always had a, a bad reputation being unclean. And, and it led to mm. a kind of class of untouchables, even in Buddhism, right? Uh, too, sometimes. It's, but okay. in modern times, it's become much more complicated. Actually, it was, it was complicated in the, the Buddhist time, too, because the Buddha said, 
to all his monks, first of all, you want to be a monk, quit your job, come be a monk, right? Right. So they had uh, kind of an easy way of right livelihood. They just did their mm. monk thing and kept their nose clean and uh, did that. They were fine. But how about people out in the world? What is right livelihood for folks out in the world? Well, in the old days, it was complicated, too, because you had people who were farmers and they had to kill sometimes uh, to keep their farm going. You had soldiers, you had kings, uh, you had many people who had lives of complication. Well, it's worse today. If you work, you know, for a corporation in the big city, even if you're just a receptionist, but your your corporation is like, shall we say, making a, a, a drug that's killing people. Are you responsible for it? And if you know it, you quit that job and you find a new job. And would you like the answer to that? Well, yeah. Is there an answer? You're going to have to tune in a future episode, because that's a whole thing right there. <laughs> but uh, the answer is uh, basically, again, we try to do our best. And if you can, you know, find good work, be a, a nurse, a teacher, something that helps people. Don't be a paid assassin. Right. Don't and, be an and, arms dealer. Any arms dealers and paid assassins listening to this podcast, <laughs> please reflect, please. Okay, so we come to the third part, mental discipline. So this is all about the whole meditation thing, right? Well, you have mental discipline. What the, What is the version I have? I have a right... That's on... Effort. Well, mental discipline is the, the subhead there. Okay, well, yeah, all right. Mental discipline. I have right effort. Which is uh, let's see. No, no, Jundos, I'm, I'm on the I'm on the forum thing. The three things in bold: wisdom, ethical conduct, mental discipline. It's not just us. Nobody really agrees on these things. You know how okay. to define it. Okay, I also okay. see it here: acting right. Okay, well, let's put it this way: this is how important it is to actually not just think about this intellectually, but to do it. First, we had the intention, then we had the acting, and then now we're going to go out to the right effort. Keep it going, man. Well, that one sounds vague. It's like when you're t 10 years old at school, it's like, you know, work a little bit harder, right? But it's right. I mean, first you say, how are you going to be a good student? Have the intention to do your homework. Yeah. But don't just have the intention. Actually do your homework. Acting. That's right. the okay? right action. But then the other one, okay, but when the going gets tough, stick with it. Right effort. Something like that, you see. You need the right uh, drive at the beginning. You need the right direction and action, and you got to stick with it. Okay. So the right effort here is both about the ethical conduct and the wisdom, but then it also comes into the meditation part. Yeah, it all comes together. All comes together, man. It's all of it. Okay. Right. So next we get to the big one here, right? Mindfulness, because this is the one that, you know, mindfulness has become a term of th that means so many things today. Wait a second, I'm getting all confused. Didn't we just do that? Oh, no, right mindfulness is at the end. No, no, right mindfulness is now. You're right. You're right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. If I was at the big Buddha meeting, you know, 2,000 years ago, they would have gone, Get the, what's this guy? He's got us all confused here. You're right. Right? It's Next one is mindfulness. Right mindfulness. I'm Which, looking at the list, Jundo. It's no, on the screen right. here. You're right. You're, here, on this thing about what's right, you're right, I'm wrong. Okay? Okay. All right. And uh, right mindfulness. Now, this is uh, very interesting. What does this word mindfulness mean? Suddenly, mindfulness, you know, has become popular with mindfulness meditation these days, which is kind of sitting quietly, being in the moment. That's not really what was originally meant in Buddhism by right mindfulness. It was much, much, much more than that. And it was 
being mindful of all these things and keeping them in heart, being mindful of the Buddhist teachings, which we spoke about as number one, being mindful of ethics, which is to be kept in heart, being mindful that you have to keep going and have the right drive and have the right direction, being mindful like that. So it's not about spending five minutes eating a raisin and immersing yourself in the raisin. It's about just being aware of all the other seven elements of this? With all due respect to the California Raisin Growers Association, no, it has uh, the raisin part is very, very small. That may have been a, one practice to be aware of the moment. That's a very, very tiny, tiny thing. More is to have all these teachings in your heart, to have all the sense of ethics and doing right in your heart, to have a clarity in your heart, to keep at it, to sit zazen. This is right mindfulness, to have a, a right directed mind. So then the last one, right concentration, is that the actual sitting? Well, this is a, another thing. When you get into English, it's been rendered as concentration. And you know I'm the Zazen guy. I'm going to say Zazen is not concentration. The, I, I, I can't go back to the original Sanskrit, so I'm going to go back to the Chinese and the Japanese. But it's more like right balance, right just also just the practice of meditation which is what we do in, in Zazen. Sitting with the legs crossed, or in these days, another way, if you need to sit in the chair, has, that doesn't matter. But your heart should be balanced, still, and quiet. And when you do that, all these other things kind of open up. You see what those teachings in part one mean. You see why we're ethical. And they, those teachings, again, and the ethics feed into having the balanced and quiet heart. It all feeds into each other. The octo-holistic lifestyle. So in the original, this was right samadhi. And samadhi, isn't that the term for uh, meditative absorption? It depends what kind of Buddhist you are. I'm, I, again, I'm not speaking uh, for all of Buddhism even though what you're hearing here on the podcast is the is the true and correct interpretation disregard everything else <laughs> even the dalai lama guy if he disagrees with us no we're we're right no in all seriousness never say that there's only one interpretation of these things people have said what do what do the precepts mean some people say the precepts have to be very very strict some people are more open about them some people interpret the teachings various ways some people interpret meditation many different ways. For the Soto Zen fellow like me, it is not necessarily right concentration to be deeply concentrated. But for other Buddhists, they like to be deeply concentrated. Okay? Hmm. Uh, the, uh, the Eightfold Path is in the eye of the beholder. Or should we say, it's in the Buddha's eye, but the Buddha's eye is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, and there are so many different varieties of Buddhism, and that explains how there can be differences. As we've mentioned many times, when we sit Zazen, we don't really consider it to be meditation as such. Yeah, let, let those guys get their own podcast. But I'm, this, is, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is the interpretation I'm presenting here for folks. 
And uh, it's to, to be honest, it's the one that makes sense, especially for modern people. I think uh, you can even living in the suburbs with a job in in a, in a company or in a store, you can make this eightfold holistic lifestyle your life. You don't have to be a monk in a monastery. Think about it. You can learn from the teachings. That's what you're doing here. Listen to us, right? You're trying to get a little of uh, what's this all about, right? You can be dedicated. You can stick with it. You can live as ethically as possible. You know, you can try to have right speech, even if sometimes you got to tell your wife that her dress is, is great or your husband that he, he, he's still looking sexy, even though he's now 270 pounds. It's fine. It's fine. All right. And you can sit Zazen even if you're not in the Himalayas. So this holistic lifestyle is yours. Okay. Where do we go from here, Roshi? Let's keep doing right. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.